Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning, we're going to wrap up our series uh, on the last words on this special Resurrection Day as we remember Christ and what He's done for us. Uh, last few weeks, I know I was out on vacation last week, and I missed you guys, but I'm glad to be back here uh, with you. And so, uh, I know last, uh, last week, Pastor Steve spoke, our lead pastor, and, uh, and some of the things we've talked about is it's finished right? Some of the last words of Jesus at the cross, it's finished, and Father, forgive them. Now, this morning, we're going to encounter two different guys who are with Jesus uh, on, on the crosses, and uh, their interaction we're going to look at as we find Jesus saying to one of these men, today you will be with me in paradise. Everybody's looking for something in this life. Uh, yet, not everyone understands what's going on concerning eternal things, concerning spiritual things. And, of course, this is Resurrection Sunday, and, and we, find, we find in light the life of Jesus that he knew what he wanted, and he also knew what he had to offer humanity. And there are some many words that we could use to describe Jesus and his ministry, uh, different ones that we could look at, words like love. A word like justice and compassion and humility, uh, righteousness, courageous, all those words would that relate to him and, and could be used of Jesus. Of course, another word to uh, describe him this morning would be resurrected. He's our resurrected Savior, and, and Christ came to this world with a purpose. He had a purpose, and we're celebrating resurrection today on Sunday, which is called the Lord's Day. And Jesus came for you and I, and if I use a word this morning out of those that I've mentioned to you, I think the one that I would choose this morning is love. And uh, we understand that this word can be loaded in our culture, and we find that. And, but this word love, if we look at it, we have to look at it from God's point of view. It's the God kind of love, not just any kind of love, but God's kind of love. It's sacrificial love, the love of sacrifice. And it's the kind of love that chooses to love no matter what is given back to the individual. That's the kind of love that we can uh, see Jesus as. And we find over in John's Gospel in uh, chapter 3, that oh so familiar passage that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, Jesus loves people from every background. He loves people because he loves people. He created us. He was with the Father in the beginning. And we know that he cares for people's lives. I have to ask you this question, have you ever thought you were right only to find out partway uh, through your plan that you were completely mistaken? Uh, that's probably most of us at some point. One time there was a drum major who was leading the band in Ventura, California, and as he's going along, you know, they have those big batons, and, and they go down and, uh, and lead the band, and, 
and he threw that thing up in the air only to hit a power line that had two, four thousand wires going across it, and it hit that, knocked out ten city blocks of electricity, knocked out the radio station there, and of course melted his baton. So then you have this one, a bank robber in Los Angeles, I guess California gets it today for part of this, told uh, the clerk not to give him cash, but to deposit the money into his checking account. (laughs) That was smart. On, On his first assignment for a Chicago newspaper, a rookie reporter drove a company car to a car crushing plant. He parked in the wrong spot and returned from interviewing the manager just in time to see his vehicle being compacted into scrap metal. You know those squares? (laughs) Well, we've all found ourselves in a place uh, where we have misunderstood or we made a mistake and it's come back to bite us. And and it's, it's then that we have to step back and consider changing the direction that we have been going. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, he was hung between two rebels who were fighting against Rome's authority. And in fact, the the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53, verse 12, foretold in advance that the Messiah would pour out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors or sinners. And Jesus did hang with some criminals. Sure, the Roman Empire forced many to, uh, uh, to uh, worship their emperor. Yet, for many, they simply hated the fact that they were under the political rule of the Roman Empire. And, and these rebels had to reconsider the direction that they had taken in their life. And there with them was the very Messiah that could help them in changing their direction. You say they're going to die. Well, yeah, they were but their future could be changed. If you look with me to the passage in Luke chapter 23, it should be on the screen for you. In verse 36, it says this, The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you're under the same sentence, same sentence as him. We are punished justly for uh, we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise today. Here was Jesus hanging between these rebels. And Jesus' only problem was that he was who he said he was. And as as Christ, he gave his life in our place on the cross. And he was mocked. He was made fun of. Uh, As you see here in the Gospel of Luke, we see it in this passage, and Isaiah spoke of him in advance by saying uh, these words, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces, he was despised, 
and we held him in low esteem. Out of Isaiah 53, the executioners who were, they were Roman soldiers, they mocked him, they made fun of him in front of everybody. And we see it in, in the gospel of Luke here, we see it in the other gospels, and Isaiah goes on to say, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. In verse 38 in Luke, he records this about Jesus on the cross. As we've read, there, there was a notice, uh, a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And this was really their official charge for him. In Pilate's view, it was a way to mock the Jewish people. And Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were... My servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. It's out of John 18. John and God's people didn't understand. Even Pilate didn't understand. Or maybe they didn't want to know. Some people have a hard time when it comes uh, to facing truth face to face. Pilate was one of those guys, and when he, engaged, when he engaged Jesus there in John 18, verse 37 and 38, Pilate said this, he said, you are, you are a king then. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. Like many today, truth is only relative to the situation that, that people are in. If there's no absolute truth, then by, by definition, nothing can be said that's absolutely true. But to the, uh, to the majority, apparently, it's all relative. Nothing is certain. It might be. It might not be. Who knows for sure? And some will say, take your guess and, and hope for the best. But the last thing Pilate wanted to do was to be face to face with absolute truth. So he shoved truth aside. No one wants to be told you missed it. And I'm sure he didn't want to be told that he had missed it, just like many leaders of that day did not. But on one of the crosses beside Jesus, we find one rebel who recognized the truth, who understood what the truth was. And he says to the other rebel, we've done wrong, but Jesus hasn't. Look at verse 39 with me there. He says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? Come on, man. Don't you fear God at all? And he said, since you're under the same sentence, the same sentence that I am, they're both rebels, likely, and they probably were going against Rome, and that's probably why they were on the cross, as they were for each one of them facing capital punishment. And he says in verse 41, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus hadn't done anything to deserve this. And this verse shows us some really difficult lessons, I think, that we have to recognize 
Most people don't like to talk about it this way today, but some people do die in their sins. Both rebels were, were near Jesus, and one of them uh, remained hard and stubborn, uh, insulting Jesus to the very end. And sometimes you'll find that some other sinners uh, surrender in the presence of Christ, and one of the rebels confessed his sin and repented. He, he said he deserved to die. His attitude showed that he turned to God in faith. He had turned to the Lord in faith, and we see that in the passage by his action and by his words. Maybe the rebel who repented was like uh, Barabbas, who was probably guilty of rioting and murder. Uh, he was at the end of his life. Both of these guys are. They're hanging on crosses too there. But what, what, did he have, what did he have to offer to God except a whole bunch of sins? That's all he could give God at that point. There's nothing else he could give. That's all he had. But Jesus wasn't worried about that, and he's not worried about our long list of sins. He only cares that our hearts are softened and that we turn towards him in faith. No person, no person should despair like there is no hope, because there is hope. No one should presume his forgiveness or her forgiveness is automatic, though, without asking. If you look back at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, and it says it on the screen for you this morning, the prophet tells about the Messiah and why we, why, uh, we needed him to go to the cross in our place. And he said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned uh, to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, all of us, the sins of all of us. Even Paul, who referred to his life before he came to faith in the Bible, said he was the chief of sinners. He realized that he got it, and then he later said, he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then even after that, he says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fact is, is we're all in the same boat. doesn't matter what our, what our background is. We're all in the same boat, and we need the Savior. The Scripture tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus did that for us. He shed his blood for us in our place, just like the rebels. Have you, have you ever went to a restaurant, and maybe you go to the restaurant, you realize they gave you a raw deal, you got to be nice to the servers, and if you guys go out after church this morning, be nice to the servers, right? They get some flack sometimes, but say, hey, so they, they've done you wrong. They, maybe they were late and bringing you food, and it took them twice or three times as long, or maybe when they brought something, they brought something entirely different, and so you start talking to the manager, and the manager says, you know what? We're going to make this right for you. We're going to give your food on the house, and it's going to be good. Uh, and so at that point, are you going to be like, well, that just makes me really mad. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to accept that and just kind of push and trying to make a statement there. And, uh, but, uh, or are you going to just humbly accept his offer and get some free food? And so, you know, it's, there's two different ways that we can handle things like that. And, and I know there's really no comparison between forgiveness that God provides for us and getting some uh, food on the house at a restaurant. But the fact is, is if we humble ourselves, we overcome our hurt or our anger and accept the hope that God offers us, it's then that we can have life. 
Which side of the fence do you fall on? If you look at these two uh, rebels on the cross, uh, rebel one does it his own way. Rebel two, well, he realizes he's wrong and he turns to Christ in faith. Really, both of these guys have got uh, to where they are because of their own wrong choices and maybe some choices of others. But they try to do things their own way and they try to do, go through that process and, and, and they ended up condemned. Rebel one here we see in his pride, uh, maybe he's thinking to himself, I worked hard as I could to be able to help overcome this Roman rule here and, and I earned the right to this cross. Now that may sound funny, but it's probably not. It's probably a real view in his mind. I want people to see me here and see Rome's injustice. I want them to stand out for who they are, and I want people to recognize that I earned my right here. Who cares about tomorrow? Who cares about you? He's just angry. But with anger comes the underlying emotion of being hurt by others. Sometimes people's anger is simply a response to the pain of their past, and it's the only way they can keep people away from themselves to keep them at a distance. They don't want anyone to know their pain. They don't want anyone to know their rejection. Even sometimes they hold the Lord Jesus at a distance because of that. So they put on the front to be able to keep Christ out and the very one that can help them and help them work through healing and forgiveness is there available to them just like the first guy, but he pushed him away. We have to learn from the master of forgiveness who said, Father, forgive them. Rebel 2 here. Let's look at this guy for a second. He, he may be the first one who really understood what Jesus was doing. Jesus had all his disciples, his 12 disciples. One has turned him in and took his own life, a sad scenario. And now the other guys, they've all ran away. They don't know what's happening. They're a little bit confused. But you even have Peter. You would think Peter, who was the one who made that great announcement, Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and he made that statement that has forever gone down in history. And after he made that statement, what did he do? He denied Christ three times. He turned away from the Lord. He didn't get it. And we talk about Peter. Whoa, this great guy. Peter messed up and he messed up bad. And he's not the first one to get it. It's one of the criminals on the cross that, that understood what Jesus was doing. And, and Peter doesn't even understand until he meets the risen Christ. He doesn't even get it until he meets Jesus face to face after he's arisen because he's out of there. Rebel number two, he, he, only had his, he had his only last chance. He had his last chance there on the cross, but at least he understood None of us know today if it's our last chance. We don't know. We don't know the day. We don't know what our day will be like in the future. But this guy realized Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And some passage, some uh, translations would say Lord. And, and in this, we kind of have a double confession where he called Jesus Lord. He also expressed faith in Christ's kingship and the coming glory of his kingdom. He didn't ask for special favors like, like James and John did, the sons of thunder, but, but merely that the Lord would remember him at that hour. Lord, remember me. Long before that hour, even at that very moment, the Lord remembered him and promised him this. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Christ was already, already providing salvation, which he was in the act of purchasing on the cross that day. That's powerful, friends. That's significant. It, it wasn't difficult to receive forgiveness Jesus did not ask the criminal to, to read any books. Uh, he didn't require retribution for his sins. What is he going to do at that point? He's on the cross. He can't do anything. And it is, it's Jesus, not people, who pays for sins anyway. It's Jesus' blood, not, the blood, not good deeds or suffering that, that brings forgiveness. But he receives people just as they are. In fact, Jesus made this promise over in John 6, 37. He said, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Receiving forgiveness from Jesus is as easy as asking for it. Putting faith in him and asking when a believer dies, what we understand from the scripture, uh, he or she is immediately with the Lord. Now Jesus, Jesus told this dying criminal, this rebel on the cross, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And, and we understand Christians will, will not have a new body until the resurrection. Uh, but a believer's spirit leaves the body at death and goes to be with Jesus. We find that out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But as Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Re Rebel one, this guy, he didn't trust in Jesus. He didn't put his hope in him. He didn't put his faith in him. All he did was laugh at him. He was like the others who mocked him. But Rebel two looked to Christ in faith, in hope. And because of that, he received the promise of Christ. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, that word paradise, we want to say, well, what does that mean? What's it have to do? And it's, it's an, from an old Persian word meaning garden and is used in, in the Greek Old Testament Bible and other Jewish writings uh, for the Garden of Eden. And, and Jesus uses it here of the presence of God, being in the presence of God, which believers will experience immediately at death. And, and how, how did this rebel find grace in the presence of Christ? It came down to trust. It came down to trust. He recognized who he was. He recognized who Jesus was as the Messiah, the Savior, and he trusted God. Remember what Rebel 2 said to uh, Rebel 1 earlier. <laughs> he said, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? Rebel 2 did, and he was, uh, was uh, at his end, went to paradise. He didn't just die on the cross but that today he's with the Lord in eternity so where does that leave you today we have to ask ourselves that question each and every one of us should ask ourselves where does that leave me today 
Are we like the first rebel or we like the second one? You say, well, I wasn't a criminal. I'm not a rebel. I haven't been in that situation. It doesn't matter. The Apostle Paul said all of sin and fell short of the glory of God. It's just a reality. That's what the Word of God teaches. We understand we've all went our own way. We've all decided to go our own direction. But we have to understand that Jesus gave his life so that we may have hope. So that we may be forgiven and brought into the presence of God. Without him, we can do nothing. We can do all the good works we want to in this world. We can be nice to our neighbor, and we should be. I said, don't, don't be mean to your neighbor. Don't leave church and say, hey, the pastor said we can be, we can be mean to our neighbor. Don't do that. <laughs> but we have to, yeah, we have to recognize that all of our good works is not enough. The connection between forgiveness and repentance is fundamental in Jewish thought, and it was taken over to the followers of Christ where the, the human act of repentance uh, took a second place to the atoning work of God in Christ. Forgiveness comes by faith. Repentance is turning away, uh, turning away from our old broken way of living and trusting Christ in faith and looking to Him. And you may mess up now and then. But you must put your faith in him and trust in him. The Apostle Paul said this over in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. Many of you may know this passage. He said, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Jesus was Messiah because Scripture foretold the suffering of the Messiah and because the resurrection demonstrated Him to be the Messiah. The resurrection shows the certification of the Lordship of Christ and the token that through Him, God offered forgiveness to all mankind for those who will put their faith in Him. Would you stand with me this morning? Where, where does that leave you today? As we are here together in the presence of God on this celebrating this wonderful time, the resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. He's the first fruits, the scripture would tell us. Have you responded to Jesus Christ in faith, accepting what he has done for you on the cross? Or are you still depending on your good works? Are you still focused on that? Have you looked the other direction thinking your own goodness is enough to get you a face-to-face -face audience between you and the Heavenly Father? I, I hope that you have an eternal ending that says, I'm I get to meet the Lord face-to-face. -face. Like that, that second rebel who is willing to humble himself in the presence of God with Jesus there and say, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You can look to him this morning in faith and in your own words to ask him to bring you into his kingdom. I want to challenge you this morning to look to him in faith. Maybe you have already looked to him in faith. Maybe you need to renew that with him this morning. Have you put your faith in Christ to forgive you? Or have you put your trust in yourself? You can ask him to save you from sin and to bring you into his kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. 
just a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe you gave your life on the cross and you rose from the grave. That's all you have to pray. Just pray a simple prayer. Look at what the guy on the other cross did. That other rebel. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? And let me pray with you. Father, I pray for each person here. Father, as they put their trust and their faith in you, as they pray that very simple prayer to say, Lord, I I believe in you. I believe what you've done for me on the cross. And if that's you here this morning, you can just say those simple words. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay the penalty for my sin. And I put my hope in you this day. And I'm going to choose to follow you this day. I choose paradise. I choose the presence of God. Not any other thing, but I choose what you have for me today. Father, I pray for each person. But as they make that decision, I pray that you would open their hearts to receive all that you have for them. That, Father God, that they, when they leave this place, that they not look to the left or to the right, but they look towards you, focusing on you and allowing you to continue to lead their life on a daily basis. Because you, it's not a one-time event. Father, you call us to follow you. Jesus, you've called us to be your disciples, your people. May we be more than just a person who prays, but may we be a person who prays and then follows you because you have a plan for each and every one of us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.